The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Oh, we are almost to Saturday evening and the rematch. It is the most eagerly anticipated heavyweight title showdown on U.S. soil. Probably in close to 20 years as we have Deontay Wilder defending the WBC heavyweight championship against former undisputed champ Tyson Fury as these two fighters squared off back in December of 2018 and now we'll rematch again here in arguably the biggest heavyweight fight going all the way back probably to Lennox Lewis against Mike Tyson when you're talking about an American uh, heavyweight champ or ex-heavyweight champ in this big of a worldwide fight it's that big of a deal and it's the subject matter here on the big fight weekend podcast i am merely your host tj reeves i've enlisted some great help of some different guests that are going to be hopping on the podcast to give you insight to give you thoughts uh, predictions, analysis, everything that's going on straight ahead. We're going to check in in Las Vegas as we're counting down to Saturday night. Vegas is a humongous party town, gambling town anyway, but especially when you ramp it up with boxing and you have a fight like this one, uh, and, and you really you have not had a heavyweight title fight in Vegas of this magnitude, probably going back to the late 1990s with Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield uh, fighting in 1996 and 97. Of course, the second fight famous for being bite night. Vegas has had huge fights, whether it's involved Oscar De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, Canelo Alvarez. Those aren't heavyweights. There's just something different about the biggest guys, the biggest punchers, the bombers, the bronze bomber. Deontay Wilder has now been there several times. Tyson Fury has now fought a couple of non-title fights since the draw with Wilder uh, there in Las Vegas. But everything has been cultivated. The groundwork has been laid. The hype is now on. Uh, from ESPN and Fox and their pay-per-view arms that are coming up uh, for this fight. And rightfully so, uh, it is that big of a deal. But it has been a while since Vegas has had one of these in the heavyweight division. They used to have them all the time. Whether you're talking about Lennox Lewis coming out there to defend or when Reddick Bowe had the championship or before that Tyson and before Tyson the likes of Larry Holmes, Ali, on and on and on. Uh, Vegas and the heavyweight showdown's big. It's now back. Back for Saturday night. And uh, February 22nd, and the rematch of Wilder and Fury for the WBC Heavyweight Championship. So again, JT The Brick will be with me. We'll check in in Las Vegas. Uh, The Brick, the former national radio host on Fox Sports Radio, still on locally afternoons in Las Vegas on the Fox affiliate, the Fox Sports Radio affiliate in Vegas, but also on Mad Dog Sports Radio on the exclusive content on SiriusXM of the Mad Dog Unleashed channel. It's the JT The Brick Show. JT, based in Las Vegas, has great perspective on what it means to have a huge event like this in that town. Uh, He's a great fight fan as well. He's going to have insight and analysis, so I look forward to talking with JT uh, coming up here straight ahead. Also on the podcast, uh, we're anxious to hear from the Deontay Wilder camp and JDs, his trainer, the man that helped discover Deontay Wilder in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, as Wilder transitioned from being an athlete, being a football player, into becoming a fighter later in life. Uh, Beyond his teenage years into his early 20s, he wanted to become a boxer to raise money for his family, had the talent, had the big right-hand punch. JD's was behind that. And now he is uh, obviously in Wilder's corner along with the former world welterweight champion, the former gold medalist, Mark Breland. 
They are uh, the backbone of Wilder's bomb squad, his uh, his team as they get ready. So JD's will be on the podcast just a couple of days out now from the fight. What are they thinking? What about the rematch? You look at it like this. Deontay Wilder's had two rematches. Uh, he won the title in Vegas, actually, off of Berman Stavern back five years ago. They had the rematch, and Wilder won after a 12-round decision in the first fight by first-round knockout in the rematch. So that's rematch number one. Wilder then fought Luis Ortiz last November in Las Vegas in the rematch of their tremendous uh, fight from back in March of 2018. Uh, where Ortiz actually shook Wilder up, but eventually Wilder wore him down, knocked him out in the 10th round. So they had the rematch last November, and again, a one-punch bomber knockout by the bronze bomber, by the WBC champ. He's two for two in rematches with KOs. That does not bode well for the Gypsy King, who's going to have to step through the ropes, Tyson Fury, and be ready to face Deontay Wilder again after their 12-round battle back in December of 2018. So J.D.'s is going to talk about the rematch aspect of this, uh, their preparation, uh, what have they learned from the first fight with Tyson Fury. I'm anxious to talk with him about that. We'll get some perspective from England and David Payne, the boxing writer. I love his insight. has covered the sport for the better part of the last 25-plus years from a U.K. perspective as a writer, uh, hopping on as a guest on radio, on podcast. Love David's insight. He's always on with me i can tell you up front he's backing tyson fury and has reasons why the former undisputed champion who had a three-year layoff battling drugs battling weight gain battling mental illness he still believes that tyson fury will be the better man when it's all said and done will outfight will outsmart will outlast deontay wilder and will win this one uh, in the showdown coming Saturday. So I'll get David Payne's insight, his perspective, and why he thinks Tyson Fury will win. We'll also talk with Antoine Williams. Love me some Antoine Williams, the greatest of all time boxing promotions out of Houston, Texas. Now, Antoine has been in Vegas just last week with an up-and-coming fighter uh, that's out of the Houston area. So Antoine kind of uh, is going to give you some insight on what Vegas was doing just before uh, Wilder and Fury have hit town this week for the MGM Grand Garden Arena and the big showdown Saturday night and Antoine will have what he believes are the keys to this fight and why he believes Deontay Wilder's in for a big night on Saturday night and we, you know we got to talk legacy with these guests as well you're going to hear me weaving that in and out of our conversations because when you're talking about right now another opportunity at an 11th uh, title defense for Deontay Wilder uh, if he is able to avenge the only blemish the draw that's on his record at the hands of Tyson Fury by winning and let's say winning impressively You've got to have conversation right now about where does he belong in the guys that have been able to successfully defend 10 times or more consecutively the heavyweight championship. Something that tripped up Mike Tyson 30 years ago this month. It was his 11th title defense. He had defended 10 times a portion or the undisputed title and Buster Douglas beat him. Lennox Lewis eventually got to 10 title defenses the second go-around after he had lost his title to Oliver McCall, the WBC belt in the early 1990s. He also lost it again to Haseem Rahman um, uh, late in his career, but he had, he had gone through 10 straight title defenses before he lost it to Rahman the second time, avenged that, or lost it to Rahman uh, by knockout, avenged that, got the title back, fought two or three more times, including beating Mike Tyson, and then retired. Uh, so, uh, again, Lennox Lewis with a ton of title defenses. So, too, Larry Holmes. So, too, Muhammad Ali. Do you realize that Ali, because he was stripped of the title 
uh, back when, and then eventually uh, because of the the whole uh, draft question and, and the refusal to go into the draft for the Vietnam War, he was stripped of the heavyweight championship when he had it. He eventually got it back. He eventually defended it 10 times uh, all over the world, all over the globe, but uh, but did not get beyond the 10 title defenses before Leon Spinks defeated him in this very month also, the month of February 1978. So it's rarefied air to get to a 10th, 11th, 12th, or more consecutive title defense. Obviously, Joe Lewis, not modern, but Joe Lewis back in the 40s, the 50s, etc., uh, it once racked up 25 straight title defenses, but that was known more as the bum of the month club, uh, where Joe, a lot of cases, was fighting bad or was, was fighting bad fighters and was fighting them every six weeks or so for money and for income. He's still one of the greats, uh, one of the all-time greats, and he does go down in, in the history book with the most consecutive heavyweight title defenses. So, in any event, uh, Wilder and the legacy will be an important topic with our guest here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast, and I. I cannot leave him out. Marquise Johns will close the show. Love Marquise's insight from BigFightWeekend.com senior writer. He'll be on here with his thoughts on Wilder Fury. He's been writing a ton in the build-up in the preview mode about this week leading into the rematch. We'll get Marquise Johns' thoughts on all of this coming up straight ahead here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We remind you, if you have not done so already, I probably should have already done this earlier in my diatribe, subscribe to this podcast. Wherever you go get podcasts at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, uh, Deezer, uh, any uh, podcast one, anywhere that you have access to podcasts, download it, subscribe to Big Fight Weekend, and the podcast will come automatically to you whenever there is a new one. And this one is big enough that we may very well have a post fight podcast coming to you on Sunday depending on the result and what happens so stand by for that uh, for Saturday night but subscribe and the podcast comes straight to you whenever we have a new one here as part of Big Fight Weekend. Alright so I think I have sufficiently set the table let's get to our guests let's get to the preview we are ready to roll for Wilder and Fury the sequel coming Saturday night in Vegas let's get to it You know if it is a humongous fight, and it is Las Vegas, that I have got to bring on my Fox Sports Radio alumni brother from another mother. He is JT the Brick. You now hear him on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM, uh, weeknights, overnights. He's also on locally in Las Vegas, a Vegas radio legend and really a national radio legend. And I'm done propping him up because I'm here to talk Wilder Fury with him on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. JT, I know we're midweek as we're talking right now. But this one's going to be a lot of fun, and the anticipation has to be building. Yeah, TJ, it's a great fight. We finally have one in the heavyweight division. We've had a few good ones over the years. Lennox Lewis, the Klitschko's. We've had some decent ones with these two independently. Their last fight really had a tremendous ending with the draw. But this one has all the bells and whistles that we need. We have the undefeated fighters. We have a rematch. Both of them are talking like they want to knock each other out. It's big in Vegas. Uh, Vegas doesn't have to compete against Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, Conor McGregor. It's just the heavyweights the way it should be, and I hope the fight delivers. I'm expecting a great fight, and I think the energy behind it has been outstanding standing so far and give the public an idea i love when you do this that once we build to friday friday night saturday what is it like to be there what do you believe it will be like for this one 
Well, this is a really big one here as we record this, and I get you ready, and I'll tell you what's happening. Vegas, as you know, the Raiders are coming to Vegas. We have the Golden Knights. So the Golden Knights and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Wilder Fury. NASCAR coming off at Daytona 500. We have NASCAR, <laughs> the second event of the year. And, you know, that's the biggest, it's the biggest crowd west of Texas the entire year for any sport. Let that sink in for a second. So that's a, gl- a global event. And then this fight. So the hype is leading up. The MGM does a great job. I do my show from there this week. And the energy's great. And, again, I think the key to this fight is that I don't think either one of these fighters are fundamentally great. I think they're really good at this time. But, you know, Wilder still leaves his gloves too low for me. He doesn't have great footwork. Fury, a very good fundamental boxer, can throw a really nice jab. But I don't think he has a lot of great fundamentals with other signature punches. But they match up well because they both are feeling each other out with the jab. They're both trying to keep each other off them, and they're both trying to set up for the big monster right hand. And Wilder did it against King Kong Ortiz in a fight that I thought he was losing five, six rounds in a row and won that in a knockout. And for Fury, same thing. I think Fury really wants to knock out Wilder early, TJ. The last thing, here's the one thing I know about this fight, that Fury does not want to go anywhere near 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. He didn't train for it. He's training for the knockout. He wants to end it quick, and I don't think he wants to put his body through a really grueling 12-round decision fight. He doesn't think he can get that decision in Vegas. Interesting take, and and we love the takes of JT the Brick. He's on in the afternoons on Fox Sports Radio in Las Vegas. Uh, Also on late nights and overnights, depending on your time zone, on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM, one of the great talking voices in sports, really for the last 20-plus years, especially late at night. Uh, Love what this man has to say. So uh, I guess one school of thought would be here with Fury having fought uh, let's just call it bad competition in his last two fights. He's been in a professional wrestling ring. You know this, JT, as part of Vince McMahon's WWE since last we saw him. He's now fired his trainer, switched trainers. Some would say that is the resume of a distracted guy who is ripe for Wilder to bang him and knock him out. What do you say to that? Yeah, it's an interesting take. He was just at the Vegas Golden Knight hockey game the other night, uh, ringing the siren to get the crowd going. He's been training in Vegas. He's set up here in Vegas. So there are distractions. There's more distractions here than there are for Wilder back home. But I think he understands the importance of this fight. This is his biggest fight. If he beats Wilder and beats Wilder in his prime and gives Wilder his first loss, TJ, that's the biggest moment of his career. And I think I like the way he's promoting this fight. It really has this Game of Thrones warrior <laughs> fighting vibe to it. Like he really wants to destroy Wilder. I mean, a lot of guys will say, well, give me the round. He's going second round knockout. People are following up going, well, really? What do you mean? Let's be honest about it. He goes, no, no, I'm going to knock him out. I'm going to knock him hard in the first round. He's going to get saved in the first round. And then I'm going to put him away in the second round. And I, that's not going to happen. The fight's going to go past the 6th, 7th, 8th round. I like Wilder. I've always liked Wilder. Wilder has delivered for me. Some of the fights take a little bit longer than I expected, but I'm guaranteeing a knockout in this one. This isn't going the distance. If it does, it's going to be a bad fight because if this fight goes the distance, 
That means one of the fighters or both of the fighters didn't do enough to entertain us and give us a knockout and and just like bomb squad of the fury in the tenth or eleventh round and knock them out, it doesn't go the distance. All right, I like that. I like that on the bold prediction. Just a couple of minutes left. JT the Brick, he's at JT the Brick. I love the inside. Uh, find him on social media that way. I love you for for the history of the sport, the 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 comparisons of the sport. If if Wilder does win by knockout and avenges the draw from 14, 15 months ago, what's his place right now? At 34 years old, this would be 11 straight title defenses. What's his place deserved to be among the names? Tyson, Lewis, Holmes. I don't know that he deserves to be there with Muhammad Ali, but what? where does it belong? It's a great question because the level of competition wasn't as extreme as Frazier and Ali and some of the all-time greats. So you you can't put him at that level. And Tyson would slaughter him. And let me tell you why. And I I, (laughs) I have a tough time with this. I have a tough time with this because I got to interview Deontay, and he knows that I don't think of him at that level. And I've been interviewing him since he broke on the scene. Here's the problem I have, DJ. If Tyson came out, and your listeners and podcasters know this, and came out with fast with the head bob and was shaking his head and came down low and looked for a left. Wilder doesn't have the experience or the technique to stop something that ferocious, that that's clean, and that good of a technician. Ali's footwork and his ability to go left, right, the, the Ali shuffle, to move him around the ring, it's just too beautiful and too deep for Wilder. Wilder wants to stand in front of you and kind of, corner you in the corner and and find a way to just overwhelm you with one big punch. So fundamentally, I would have loved to have seen him fight Vladimir Klitschko. Klitschko's fundamentals and his jab and his technique, Vitaly or, you know, Vladimir would have been a great matchup for him with both of their power and the Klitschko's having better technique. And if Wilder would win a fight like that, I'd go, wow, that's a real good technician, but we can't get those fighters in their prime. So, it's like Floyd Mayweather. I think you get this because you know boxing. Floyd, 50-0, and 0, a brilliant career, never fought the best of the best with perfect timing, but you can't argue his legacy. So if Wilder wins this fight, you can't argue what he's done with these title defenses and the quality of beating Fury and what he's done along the way. But I still think he's got an unwritten book. He's on chapter, you know, in my opinion, he's on chapter seven or eight of a 12-chapter story. He needs bigger fights after this with great guys in their prime. And I've always been waiting on the Anthony Joshua fight. I think that Anthony Joshua and him is the fight that I want to see. I want to see it overseas, and I want to see if Wilder can handle that. Interesting. That may be what's looming next. We know what's looming Saturday. Should be a blast. He'll be talking it up in Las Vegas weekday afternoons. He's on on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. He's on weeknights, Sunday through Thursday night on Mad Dog Sports Radio. And here we go. And it's a tough ticket, and he wants you to know he doesn't have tickets, by the way. JG the Brick. Have a blast with this one Saturday. We look forward to it, Mr. Brick. And I know you got Wilder and a knockout. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I always love coming on with you because this is a big box, uh, boxing podcast. Uh, you really know how to cover this sport well, and it's always a pleasure, especially when they're in Vegas. Always reach out to me, my friend. 
Still to come here from JD's, the trainer of Deontay Wilder with just a couple of scant days left, depending on when you're hearing us before Saturday night's title fight. Jay will be here to give you insight on the Wilder camp, the rematch angle. What did they learn from the first fight? Uh, what is it like to walk down that aisle with Deontay Wilder before this big showdown? We'll hear from JD's in a little bit. A reminder that the Big Fight Weekend podcast is brought to you by the Play Pick 6 mobile app. Wherever you're hearing us, if you think you know, in particular this time of year about college hoops, the NBA, the NHL, show what you know. Get out of that armchair and go make your predictions with the Play Pick 6 mobile app. It is easy to find. Go to the Apple Store, go to the Google Play Store, download the Play Pick 6 app, and go pick your six games. It'll take you less than three minutes to sign up. It's absolutely free. Free, free, free. Sign up, Find the app, sign up, and make your six predictions in any given day, and you've got a great sports theme restaurant gift card awaiting you if you come up with the six uh, correct predictions. And again, you can mix and match sports, whether it's college basketball. It'll be a crazy college basketball Saturday with all the games. Mix and match the NBA, uh, the NHL. It's all part of the Play Pick 6 app. A lot of these different apps do not allow you to cross over sports and play college basketball with the NBA or the NHL with college basketball, etc., etc. Not with Play Pick 6. Find out more by going to playpick6.com. Down Download the game for free. Play for free. Apple Store, Google Play Store. Get a sports-themed restaurant gift card for picking those six games correctly in any one day. And look, if you lose out on a college basketball Saturday and there's still time on the clock to pick the West Coast games, the Mountain Time Zone, the Pacific Time Zone, load up six more games and try again. And this is going to be great for championship week in March for the college hoops, the NCAA tournament, and much more. Mix and match college, the NBA, the NHL. It is play pick six Saturday night the rematch will be here WBC heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury the former undisputed champ will get back in the ring for the first time since December of 2018 and a man that has been there the entire way with Deontay Wilder is with us now on the podcast trainer JD's who helped discover Deontay and has been there uh, with him through this rise through this ascension and now this humongous fight on Saturday first of all we're a few days out how amped are we after the press conference? We're, we're leading up to Saturday. How are things, Jay? Oh, we're ready to go. I think it's more a case of trying to slow down than it is get amped up <laughs> because you don't want to peak too early. I mean, you want to be better on fight night than you would have been the night before or the night after, and that's a moving target. So uh, we will uh, we'll work out and uh, a time or two um, between now and the fight and uh, try to time it just right. That's the idea. That is the objective. Uh, okay, so there's so much discussion about the first fight. I just wonder, as a team, how much have you studied? How much did you care to look back on the first fight as opposed to, hey, this is a new set of circumstances, a new challenge with the same guy, and we're not as much worried about the first fight? How's the mix been? Well, we definitely study the first fight, but the adjustments are really more internal. It's more about... Uh, Deontay than it is anything that you know we think specific to the fight. Uh, Deontay knows um, how the first fight went and the things that he wants to improve on and be able to capitalize on and those are the adjustments that, that we've made. It's mostly been the things, you know the little things, uh, getting proper nutrition, uh, getting enough rest, um, you know those type things, not being uh, not, not, not trying too hard, you know, not pressing but 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 just doing his normal fight and he'll be fine so that's really what we've been doing working on 
thinking about. You know, uh, interestingly, uh, Deontay has scored two knockouts in the previous two rematches, including his most recent fight against Luis Ortiz, a rematch, a one-punch seventh-round TKO. Uh, What is it about rematches? Why has he been so devastating the second time around? I think it's the the ring IQ. I think it's that whatever, however many rounds he's been in there with somebody, it's in the databank. It's in the brain, and he knows he's, you know, their rhythm, how they move, what they're going to do in certain situations, and all that's in the computer. And uh, and so the second time around, there's uh, less uh, there's less of figuring all that out. It's more just a, a matter of proceeding with what's already there, and whatever changes the opponent makes, you know, are a pretty quick adjustment. Again, the voice of JD's with us for just a few more moments. Trainer for Deontay Wilder, Saturday Night Wilder Fury. It is on pay-per-view through ESPN and through Fox. Uh, arguably the biggest heavyweight title fight, at least in this country, involving a United States fighter going back to Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson, 2002. I don't think that's an over-exaggeration uh, that it's that big of a deal. All right, so speaking of the big uh, of that big of a deal, uh, you've got Mark Breland in the corner with you, and you've had him uh, virtually all the way, if not most of the way, in Deontay's corner as a team. You guys have been through a lot of these big, different fights together. How do you try to keep it, as you mentioned, low-key and, and try to keep it from all of the hype and all of the, the pomp and circumstance that Las Vegas can bring? What's, what has that challenge been like? What will it be like over the next couple of days? Well, if you know Mark Breland, you know low-key is pretty much his middle name. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, Mark is like uh, – I mean, being around Mark is like being at a mime convention, you know, you're, you know, it's like being at a, at a mortician's gathering or something, you know, that he's just such a quiet guy. So I don't think that's going to, going to be anything but helpful because he is so low key. So his presence is such that, uh, everybody's going to be cool, calm and collected. And we know that we've got a tall task. And I think it's absolutely no exaggeration to say this is as big or bigger than Lewis and Tyson, because with Lewis and Tyson, um, you know, I think everybody was aware that Mike was not a prime Mike uh, and that Lennox was more or less in his prime. So I think the circumstances here are much more uh, attuned with two undefeated guys. And their only blemish at all on the record was the draw with each other. So I, I think this is every bit as big, if not bigger. Great point that you make on that. All right. So the ring walk, I always love this from everybody's perspective. I, I know I've talked with Mark about that before, walking out with Deontay and his uh, get up with the mask on and the whole bit. What is the ring walk like for you? Envision what it will be like again on Saturday. What, what is that like, JDs? Well, I never really know. That's the kind of, and I don't really want to know. I just kind of, I'm there, you know, in the moment. I get to see the whole thing unfold. I'm usually way in the back anyway. And uh, uh, <laughs> but I see him in the dressing room putting all that stuff on and, it's it's really it's really quite entertaining. It's it's amazing that they come up with these outfits and Deontay's in on the design and everything. So uh, it's it's a uh, I'm just glad I'm not the guy designated to get that thing off of him because like to Deontay, who's a pretty mechanically minded person, it's pretty simple. He's like, man, all you gotta do is unzip Velcro, twist, turn, 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 unzip Velcro, Velcro, twist, pull, wrap around, and then you, you know I'm like Deontay's like. That's like Chinese to me. I don't, I can't even change a light bulb. You know, it's just not my, I teach people to beat each other up. That's what I do, you know? So 
I'm not a mechanically minded person, so I've bowed out very quickly of the getting the costume off Deontay, uh, getting the outfit off Deontay duty. Well, certainly it is part of armoring up figuratively if you want, kind of like a football player putting everything on as well. And Deontay obviously had a little football background. That is going to be part of it, and it's going to be some show on Saturday. Plug, hey, plug away one more time. If the fans have any doubt about whether or not they should be plunking down the money either on ESPN or Fox Pay-Per-View, they absolutely should, and they should absolutely be there at the opening bell. Correct, J.D.'s? Oh, absolutely. The, the, the undercard is solid. That's the first thing. A lot of times you get a thing like this, and the main event is where everything is centered, and the undercard is just garbage. This undercard is solid, especially with Gerald Washington against Charles Martin, two big heavyweights. They're going to be on right before us. And then with Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, you've got 6'7 against 6'9, 225 against 260 or 270, both undefeated, USA against United Kingdom, both big talkers, both huge personalities, puncher against boxer, but the boxer can punch and the puncher can box. They can both do it all. And uh, uh, I think that really speaks for itself. They, 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 they both have everything to gain and everything to lose. So it's, it's Vegas is the perfect place. This is that all-in moment on the poker table. And uh, Saturday night is when it all happens. As, uh, as J.D.'s mentioned, there's only one blemish on Deontay Wilder's record. It's a draw with Tyson Fury. He gets a chance to correct that Saturday. Let's see what happens with the bronze bomber. Jay, thank you for the time. I know you are busy in Vegas. You made time for us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Good luck. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, and uh, call me anytime you need me. Had to, had to, had to get the insight of the man over in the U.K. who's constantly with us, uh, bringing us great analysis a uh, humor, historical perspective on the sweet science. He is the boxing writer back on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. David Payne from England. We are now approaching Saturday night and Wilder and Fury back in the ring for a rematch. How are you? And I guess more to the point, how excited is uh, is Britain, uh, British fight fans, etc. for this rematch? Good to have you. Great to be here. I feel as healthy as a trout. I hope all your listeners are too. I, I am as excited as I've been for a long time about a fight. And I think Britain is coming around to the same conclusion too. Love Tyson Fury. Got to check that at the desk at the beginning. Um, I'm very much looking forward to this weekend. Fabulous fighting prospect. Really excited. These are the moments we all should cling to and savor. This is what being a boxing fan is all about. A super fight, heavyweights. One will look back on and remember whatever the outcome. But really excited, TJ. I think uh, I think most are. Give us a, give us a taste here because obviously football or soccer in this country is king along with a lot of other sports, but as the week has gone on, has this fight begun to be on the news, be in the uh, on the internet, in the papers, the tabloids, etc. more and more. Oh, absolutely. It's everywhere. Um as is often remarked by others, the, the acid test of this stuff is when non-boxing fans start asking about it. That's that's when you know you've crossed over. Hatton had that, Nassim Hamid had that, Ben Eubank had that, and here we are with Tyson Fury. Wilder has definitely made that crossover. Um, you get asked about it by football fans, by the woman in the shop, by family members who don't usually follow boxing but know that you do and they want the insight they want to know who's going to win that kind of thing so it's definitely crossed over 
And here we are with still a couple of days of promotion to go. It's a pity we didn't have a UK press conference, but there wasn't time. That would have helped too. But yes, it's it's all over the media, the papers, and it's all over the, the various sports websites. So it's uh, it's definitely growing and it's going to be enormous, I would think, by Saturday. Yeah, and it's doing the same here in the U.S. with, as, as you're referring to it, the average fan is now gravitating to this, and that'll be much more the case Obviously, Friday night into Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon into Saturday night uh, because of the buildup and the hype and two different television networks and pay-per-view offerings in the United States coming together uh, to help promote it. Okay, so I've asked different guests different questions. Uh, I love different perspectives and insights. Uh, So Fury has been, we don't know for sure until he actually weighs in on Friday. We don't have that info while you and I are doing the interview. If he ends up weighing somewhere around 270 pounds, that is significantly more than fight number one, December of 2018. What does David Payne make of that if it is the case that he's 10, 15 U.S. pounds, I don't know what that is in stone uh, in the uh, in the British metrics on weight, but if he is that heavier, what do you make of that? Um, I'm not. I wouldn't say that it doesn't trouble me somewhat. Um, obviously, as I as I mentioned when we, we we touched on this a week or two ago, that there, there there is a sense within the Fury camp that he was a he was kind of aiming for. A, a number that looked good on paper that perhaps didn't do him as much benefit in the ring. Um, so he was trying to get below what would be a UK 18 stone. There's a kind of psychological barrier that he wanted to break and show how fit and lean and ready he was. Um, I think this time there's certainly been lots of talk that he's going to sit on his punches, maybe not move as much, use his advantage of size, um, closer in, planning to, to go for knockouts. Again, we can't really tell whether tactically that's just a, a red herring. Uh, it's been the week of fish, hasn't it? But if, whether that's a red herring or whether that's um, something he's serious about, if he's serious about it, then the weight would follow that strategy or whether the weight is a sign that he's not been doing the same levels of cardio work that he's done over the last 12 months, two years. We won't really know as all the classics go until that bell rings. Um, but I wouldn't, uh, as, a, as a big advocate of Fury in this fight, and I have been all along, I was always happening in a rematch, um, it has cast a little bit of doubt into my mind. And uh, alongside the change of trainers, etc., that has just made me wonder whether there's quite the same focus. I really hope there is, because I'd love him to do it. Again, David Payne with me for a few more moments as we're previewing Wilder Fury 2, the rematch. Uh, David and I have sparred back and forth uh, about Deontay Wilder and legacies and things like that. Give me your, give me your final thought as this fight approaches. What what kind of legacy stuff is this for both fighters? Because obviously, uh, Fury's bidding to to recapture a portion of the heavyweight championship after being the undisputed champion a few years back. For Wilder, he is looking for a twelfth consecutive successful title defense. There is the one draw in there to Fury. What about legacies? Give me some perspective on that from your point of view. I think it's crucial. Um, I don't think legacies are ever built in single fights or even a couple of fights. They're built in a body of work over a period of time, aren't they? Yes, we remember things like Buster Douglas having his one night, and that's his legacy, was that one night. But people like Holyfield, people like Lennox Lewis, people that did it over a long period of time are the ones that really resonate much deeper and longer in history, I feel, um, as, as the supreme fighters that we've seen, certainly in our lifetime. Um, and I think 
while the statistics are becoming impressive, it's becoming a, a protracted period of time. But for me, there are still only four or five credible names on his very long record, and Fury is one of them. So for for Wilder, he desperately needs this win. Um, but there's a great credit for that legacy that he's taking this fight. He's taking this fight so quick after an Ortiz fight um, and, and the Ortiz fight again was following on from having fought him once before and fighting Fury so his last two years of work are excellent and if he gets this win then we really do start to have to, those critics of him like me have to take him more seriously than perhaps we've done to date and a similar story for Fury to my mind Fury won the first fight and he has that win over a Klitschko that was two years younger than the one that Joshua beat so he has a, a body of work building and he's a different. He, he's not going to be around forever. He's not had a massive body of work in his. Of course, he's had that gap too. But if he was to win this Wilder fight, um, then his body of work starts to look much stronger. So there's there's a lot on the line for both. But what's terrific is that they're just willing to find out that we're having this fight. Um, you know, less than two years after the last one, and for Wilder very quickly after an Ortiz fight. There's a lot of credit should be built for that because in this era, we do have a lot of ducking and diving. We do have a lot of waiting until fighters are 35 and nothing's ever happened. So I'm really pleased that this is happening and I hope Joshua joins this party very soon too in 2021 without getting too far away from where we are today, two days from this great fight. Uh, all right, so now we get down to brass tacks, as we like to say. I don't know if that was ever a British phrase first before it was an American phrase, but we'll get down to what happens on Saturday. I'll pose it this way. You've already, you've already put it out there. You believe that Fury is the better fighter and will win. If, if things are going well for him and or leading to victory, it's because a reason or two in your mind? It's because he's um, maintaining distance, and he's and he's troubling um, uh, he's troubling Wilder in the same way that he did in the first. He's bamboozling him with angles. He's moving off to southpaw. He's boxing off of both front, off of both uh, sides, and um, I think they're they're the they're the things when when Wilder stops throwing, when Wilder's confused, that's that's a sign of success for Fury. And obviously, from Wilder's point of view, is that the exact opposite, that he's finding him, that he's finding Fury uh, less elusive and he's able to get his shots off and start to do damage. Because there are lots of elements in this fight, but obviously the cut that uh, Fury suffered in his last fight, 47 stitches, can't be ignored. It's been glossed over in certain areas, but it wouldn't be a surprise if that became a factor in this fight, certainly if it goes uh, more and more rounds through wear and tear as the fighters slow down. So, And they get up close and heads come together. And punches are landed. That could become a factor too. There are so many intangibles. Um, but yeah, Fury being elusive, finding Wilder, and Wilder finding it difficult to find Fury, they're, they're the things that we're looking for if Fury's going to win. And the exact opposite. That's the chalk and cheese of their two styles, really, isn't it, uh, TJ? All right, so if it's Wilder, uh, the, the conventional belief is that Wilder changes the dynamic with the one huge right hand, with that punch. Is is he going to, much like the Ortiz fight, wait and wait for that opportunity to change the dynamic of the fight with the one booming punch? You believe that's what we're going to see? Um, I think it's possible, and I, and I think it would be foolish for him. I think if he doesn't go after Fury, Fury's could build up could build up some rounds on the scorecards in the way that Ortiz did. And Fury is, I would I would argue, has got a better engine on the assumption that he's fit and in shape and the 270 is not a sign that he's not as in good shape. Uh, I think he's got a better 12-round engine than Ortiz. Um, he's, he is more elusive. He's more able to stay out of distance. 
and he's got those um, great big long leaves to keep Wilder further away. So if Wilder kind of does the stalking without throwing and has that absolute faith in his power, that credit to him, but he could find himself similarly five, six rounds down against a very confident Tyson Fury who's 10, 12 years younger than Ortiz and he could... Uh, he could be having to gamble just to get back into the fight. And I don't I don't think that's a place he'll want to be. I will think he'll want to try and share some rounds early. I think he'll he will try to force action. And of course, yeah, we could have Fury completely disregarding all that uh, logic and all the fighting history that he's shown and coming to centre ring and throwing bombs, which is what he's promised to do. And with <laughs> Fury, the unconventional is the conventional. So we you just never know. We could we could have a line in the sand in the middle of the ring and bombs away. Who knows? Uh, it's interesting that you say that because earlier in this podcast, one of my guests, radio host out in Las Vegas, who's actually a national host, JT the Brick, he believes this will be all out fireworks and that this thing is decided very quickly one way or the other uh, with lots of big punches. I don't know that I go along with that. There's different thoughts on how this is going to go. But uh, that's that's why we tune in coming on <laughs> Saturday. That's the whole that's the whole rub. That's the whole idea. All right. So, again, time displacement being what it is, this will be early on Sunday morning in England. So this is a stay up all night or this is awaken early uh, for you to catch the Wilder Fury rematch in the UK. What for you? Uh, the days of me staying up all night, I'm afraid, are long gone. <laughs> uh, as we are, as you mentioned, not frequently. My, my hand is up as well. It's, it used to be easier, <laughs> not as easier anymore. I feel you. So I will probably be a something like a 2 or 3 a.m. start for this. So get some sleep, get up, get the biscuits and the tea out, and uh, and yeah, enjoy some of the build-up fights and get ready. And I'm, I am... Uh, curiously looking forward to that uh to the to the gerard washington fight right <laughs> that, that should be that should be a fun scrap as well so i'm hoping to catch that and then we'll go into the into the drama and hopefully the the fun and quality of the uh of the fury wilder rematch very excited about that that should be a lot of fun we look forward to talking with david payne no matter what happens after this is done find him on social media at the boxing writer find his site boxingwriter.co.uk boxingwriter.co.uk I always love getting to spend a few minutes with you uh, publicly. Again, you accommodated me here on kind of short notice and made the interview happen. Uh, but you were saying off the air, we got to do this. I got to talk Wilder Fury. I got to talk Wilder Fury. So we have done that. Let's hope we get a good one. Any final thoughts before you depart? Well, it's just nice to be on record. It's nice that we've shared this Big Fight Weekend podcast before Fury Wilder 2. I'd have hated to miss it. So it's a, it's a quick grab of 10 minutes, TJ, but hopefully... Uh, it's added to the mix a little bit more for you and, and for the audience and uh, let's let's look forward to the big fight love the perspective of david payne be well my friend thank you for hopping on the big fight weekend podcast as always our pleasure game is a pebble see you soon still to come you're going to hear from antoine williams greatest of all time boxing promotions out of houston with his thoughts on wilder and fury marquise johns will also be here before we're done senior writer bigfightweekend.com we're anxious to hear from both of those guys with their thoughts on the fight. Reminder, at this juncture, Big Fight Weekend podcast is also brought to you in part by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. All right, tickets are going to be scarce. They're expensive right now. MGM Grand Garden Arena for Wilder and Fury on Saturday night. 
Go get those seats on the secondary market from Vivid Seats. They've got outstanding customer service, great selection on the tickets. Your purchase is 100% guaranteed with Vivid Seats and their secure mobile app. Go download the app. It's absolutely free. Peruse and go buy the tickets, not just for this fight Saturday, but for any of the college hoops that's upcoming with the conference tournaments, the NCAA tournament, and all those different sites. Vivid Seats is your connection to go get your tickets. And we've got a special promo code offer that is Big Fight 10 to save 10% off your initial offer. So if you're a first-time user of Vivid Seats, you've got a chance to sign up, use our promo code Big Fight 10 and save 10% up to $50 off your first ever purchase with Vivid Seats. So go find the app, go find your seats for the Wilder Fury fight and that big undercard for any of the college hoops. This is good for NBA games, the NHL, once the baseball starts up, get the best seats, great selection, great customer service with Vivid Seats. And remember our promo code for 10% off if you're an initial user. It's Big Fight 10. Big Fight 10 takes 10% off with Vivid Seats. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. If it's Wilder and Fury on the rematch, we've got to talk here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast to my man Antoine Williams, part of the greatest of all time boxing promotions in Houston. He's been so good about coming on this podcast uh, for the year plus, really about a year and a half that we've been doing uh, these podcasts. Uh, It has been a little while since you and I have chatted. First of all, how are things as we build up to the fight? I know you've been busy. You've actually been, because of your own business stuff, uh, promoting, etc. You've been in Vegas already, kind of setting the stage. Uh, You would like everybody to know that the town was still standing when you left it, that it's not your fault if it gets ripped apart by all the partisan Wilder and Fury people after you left, right? Good to have you, Antoine. Hey, thanks, TJ. Man, yeah, everything's still standing, you know. Uh, we went into Vegas. We made some noise. We went out to some fights on Thursday night. Had a chance to look at the local talent before we got to the big main event, which is this Saturday on the 22nd. And, uh, man, I'm just glad to be back. Hey, I'll be jumping right back in an airplane, headed right back to Vegas <laughs> next week, man. I'm doing a two-for-one within within two weeks, TJ. All right, so we're going to hear more about that in a couple of moments. Uh, I know you have been uh, anxious to get on here and talk about this rematch it's almost here for saturday night what are you the most intrigued by the second go around deontay wilder and uh, and tyson fury man you know what i'm really anxious and intrigued to see what deontay wilder has done to his boxing technique that's one of the biggest things i'm looking for that's the highlight of the uh of, of the of the event for me i'm looking to see how deontay has changed his technique up some people think he's just a power puncher a lot of you know people who don't follow boxing uh on a day-to-day basis as we do they think that this guy is a brawler they think that his best chance of winning is just to hit you and uh catch you you know with a shot while maybe you're in combination and you're throwing a punch um but i really think that he has taken some time to improve in his craft i feel like he's working some different angles um now and he already had a he already had a look at tyson fury and so I'm really, really anxious to see has Deontay uh, made some changes in his offensive game plan and defense because defense, you have to have defense. Like Floyd says, every boxer that every great boxer that lasts in this sport is all about hit and not get hit. So we'll see what changes he makes, but that's what I'm really intrigued about TJ the most. 
The uh, the prevailing wisdom here is that if it is going to be a Fury win, it's a Fury win because he is able to do what he did last time, be elusive, score with quick combinations, frustrate Wilder, use the different angles. Uh, do you believe that Deontay Wilder has studied the 12-round tape of December 2018 at Staples Center, learned from that, and that Fury is not going to be able to get away with simply outboxing, using the angles, that at some point if Fury's going to win, it's going beca- to be because he outguns him, he outfights him, he lands harder punches, maybe scores a stoppage. What, what do you believe tactically has changed for Deontay if Fury tries to do what he did last time, Antoine? Well, first and foremost, I'll answer the first part of the question. The first part of the question was, uh, has Deontay Wilder studied the tape? No, I absolutely think he has not done any studying of the tape. Um, I feel like he's both been more focused on training. I don't think Deontay Wilder really pays attention to uh, what the other fighters doing in the ring. I think he's just more focused on his craft and what he needs to change upon and improve on. Um, I do think that Fury could be making a mistake, TJ. He's telling everybody that he's coming out to knock Deontay Wilder out and push Deontay back and score some power punches. Uh, he he's went out and hired uh, Sugar Hill, who we know trains people for power, so that could actually help Fury if that's really his game plan. We'll see, we'll see what happens when he gets in there with a 230-pound lion in front of you. Um, but I do think that Fury could be making a mistake if that's his game plan is to try to come out and knock out Wilder. Now, Fury does have in my opinion, a little bit better technique as it relates to boxing ability, hitting and getting out of the way. I mean, he's very, uh, he's very uh, agile. I feel like he is, uh, he's a pretty good athlete as well as Deontay Waters is a pretty good athlete. But I feel like Fury is more of the a boxing technician of the two, if there, if there is a, such a thing. Um, but it's really going to come down to who wants it the most. Let's be clear here, TJ. Which one of these guys really want it the most? They're both undefeated. Fury's 29-0. and Wilder's 42-0. and And Wilder, he, he has something that he's really trying to not relinquish, and that is his uh, record of not having every fighter in the ring that he's ever faced, he's had on the mat. Every <laughs> single fighter he's had on the mat. And with that being said, he wants to – uh, keep that thing going, and he feels like the only way to do that is come out and score an impressive knockout, and that's what he's going for. So um, I know I said a lot there, TJ, but, yep. man, I just can't wait. I'm so excited. I won't sleep the next few days, that's for sure. <laughs> Voice of Antoine Williams. I think we're all getting that way as we head towards Saturday. It's the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Uh, love Antoine's insight. Again, he's an up-and-coming boxing promoter, the greatest of all time boxing promotions. He'll tell you more about that in a moment or two. But we're talking WBC heavyweight title rematch, Wilder Fury, the second goal round. Deontay Wilder putting his title on the line. Uh, Tyson Fury, the former undisputed champion. Uh, Fury has made mention, and we won't we won't see them on the scale officially until Friday. That he's walking around uh, right now in the week or so before this fight at around two seventy would be at some fifteen pounds or more heavier. I don't know how much of that we buy, but if he is fifteen pounds more heavy, what does that tell you? That tells you what about Fury and, and his chances, uh, good, bad, or indifferent? What that tells me is. Fury has a game plan. If that's true, what he's saying, his game plan is going to be to try to lean on Deontay Wilder, you know, make him smother his punches, not give him that distance, because we know Deontay has that long, 
right hand, and once he connects, it's, it's you know, good night, senorita. So with that being said, I think that he may be trying to bulk up and lay on Deontay Wilder maybe and try to see if he can sap some of his energy um, maybe against the ropes so, DJ, so that way Deontay Wilder is going to smother his punches. That would be one of the, the strategic uh, outreaches that he would probably try. Now, with that being said, I've also heard that Deontay Wilder is looking to come into this fight at 230 pounds, and then we know that uh, he, you know, overnight he may rehydrate and put on a couple more pounds. If that's the case, I think that it favors Deontay Wilder because – a heavier Deontay Wilder uh, just adds that much more power. He doesn't need much more power, TJ. I mean, he's already one of the greatest uh, knockout punches in the world of all time. I would even go as far as to say of all time. So with that being said, you just don't give a guy with that much power a chance to put on some more weight. So uh, I'm, I'm not really buying Tyson Fury coming in at 270. I think that's going to slow him up. That's going to, you know, take away from his boxing ability and maybe make him a statue. And if you become a statue of liberty in front of Deontay Wilder, you can forget about it. Yeah, and we've seen that over and over and over again, especially if he can get you to drop that guard and he lowers the boom with that straight right hand coming right down the middle like a fastball. Uh, Antoine's a Houston guy, like a Nolan Ryan 98 mile an hour coming right down the middle. Look out uh, if that is the case. Um, all right. Uh, do I sneak a prediction out of you uh, for this one? Does it end quickly? Does it go a while? The under over in Vegas is 10 and a half or 11 rounds, depending on where most of the odds makers in the sports books believe this fight will go a while, no matter what, no matter who wins. What do you believe? Yeah, you know, I actually went up to the counter in Vegas and put a bet on the fight. So Did you? Um, Tell me more. I did. I Tell did. me more. I, I, I did. I, I, I thought about it, you know, and, and uh, I've seen the uh, the odds makers expected the fight to go about ten and a half rounds um, or, you know, or more. And uh, so I'm taking Wilder. I'll put my prediction out there for everybody. I'm taking Wilder. I, I think that he's going to get the knockout within 11 rounds. I don't know which round it's going to be in. Uh, do I think it'll be a quick fight? No. I think there's too much on the line when you have two warriors that are undefeated and they're both fighting for, you know, their families. They both have, you know, they both have a lot of pride within their families. And, and, and Tyson Fury has a lot of pride for his country. And Deontay Wilder has a lot of pride for the U.S. But I do think that the fight will go a while. Um, but I got Wilder within 11 rounds of a knockout. So I'm not sure which round it'll be, TJ, but I expect him to get him out of there within 11 rounds. Don't be surprised. You heard it here first. Don't be surprised if that cut on Tyson Fury's mm. eyebrow mm. opens up. Don't mm. be surprised if, if it opens up. Remember, the GOAT told you so. Um, I, I'm just not <laughs> well, sure. Well, hey, it, well, I can interject. It was 40 stitches that it took to close it from last September. His his fight, his tune-up fight with Otto Valin turned nasty, bloody. Uh, early on in that fight, he bled for a long time in that fight. And, <laughs> and you know, to, to think that a world-class fighter like uh, Wilder isn't going to be trying to put the jab on that right eyebrow and trying to open that cut up. It's common sense. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. So I like it on pointing out the cut. Maybe that is going to be a factor. Uh, we will find out. This guy's definitely a factor. Tell them more about the greatest of all time boxing promotions. You got some good things cooking. How do they find out more about what you're doing? Go ahead. Sure thing. We have a lot of great things going on. Actually, this Saturday for all of the uh, people in the Texas area and specifically Houston area, we're going to have – uh, one of the best fighters, I feel, one of the best up-and-coming fighters uh, at 168 pounds, which is super middleweight. His name is Linnell K.O. Bellows. He's from the money team. 
He's from the money team, and he's, uh, he's already got 20 wins under his belt. He's going to be right here in Houston, Texas with the GOAT Boxing Promotions. We're going to have a, uh, a special appearance with K.O. Bellows here this Saturday over at the La Sentera, which is out here in Katy, Texas, for those who don't know. Uh, we're gonna, it's called Houston Sports Day. So basically, there's going to be lots of different celebrities, lots of different sports figures from all over the different sports, baseball, race car, boxing, basketball, you name it, will be there. And that's going to be from 1 to 3 this Saturday at La Sentera in Katy. After that, TJ, we're going to have a nice event. We're going to have a boxing viewing party talking about Deontay Wilder, watching the fight with Deontay Wilder wow. and Tyson Fury. What better place than to be out there with GOAT Boxing Promotions and K.O. Bello. So this is a this is a two-for-one special occasion. We're going to be out there at 10 p.m. We're going to be over at a place called Reds. That's R-E-D-D-S. That's on North Main out here in Houston, Texas. And you get a chance to come out, hang with GOAT Boxing Promotions, the best in sports and entertainment. K.O. Bellows, one of the best fighters up and coming. Get your autograph signed. Get your pictures taken with them. We'll have our beautiful ring car girls out there. And on top of all that, you get a chance to sit down and watch the fight with us and, and just be in good boxing company uh, with K.L. Bellows. Now, let me tell you guys something. K.L. Bellows is going to be fighting next Friday in Las Vegas, Friday, February 28th in Las Vegas, and he's going to be fighting on Showtime. So this is a real big deal because Showtime Sports is delivering the broadcast and we, we just confirmed that K.O. Bellows will be fighting on – you can go to YouTube and pull up his fight live on YouTube wow. as well as Facebook, the money team, Mayweather Promotions. You can pull up his fight live on Facebook. We're so excited. Everybody needs to go out and support K.O. Bellows. He's a great young man. He's a great fighter. He's going to be with Go Boxing Promotions. And I can tell you right now, he has a very, very bright future. How about that? All right, so you can meet and greet with him, go watch the fight with him, and then, of course, he's on the Showtime card a week from Friday, right back out in Vegas. So Antoine will be right back out in Vegas. You're, you're globe hop, uh, hopping yep. all over the place. going to be a lot of fun to see what happens here at the end of the month uh, with the Wilder Fury fight. Good luck with your fight as well. Let's hope we get a good one on Saturday night. Antoine Williams, I always love talking yep. with you. We'll catch up yep. with you again, my friend. Yes, and one more thing, TJ, I apologize. Uh, my social media, I almost forgot my social media on Instagram, Goat Boxing Promotions on Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook, Goat Boxing Promotions on Facebook. And for all your boxing, all the boxing news, everything we have going on here in Houston with K.O. Bellows and all of the boxing things that we're doing all across the uh, great state of Texas, you can find us there, TJ. TJ, thanks again for having me on. Big Fight Weekend is the best in the business, baby. Cannot, cannot get away on the podcast without talking to the senior writer, the purveyor, the man that keeps it rolling from BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise Johns. We are almost there, my friend, for the rematch. Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury 2, Saturday night, Las Vegas, pay-per-view. Pick your outlet, ESPN pay-per-view, Fox pay-per-view, whatever the case is. Be there, aloha, for this one because it is likely going to be a memorable, memorable night. I don't think it's an over-exaggeration, Marquise, as we bring you on, to say one of the biggest heavyweight title fights we've had in the last couple of decades. It's arguably the biggest heavyweight title uh, fight since Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson. Uh, some would maybe argue worldwide that that Joshua Ruiz rematch in December had magnitude, but 
Then again, Andy Ruiz came out of nowhere. These two guys that are fighting are not out of nowhere. And they're both, as we heard from JDs earlier, they're both undefeated. They're both, they both have had the belts around their waist. So there's a lot riding on this. I know you're excited. It's good to have you on the podcast. How are we doing? Pretty good, DJ, and I'm looking forward to this fight. This is really, uh, without a doubt, DJ, one of the biggest heavyweight fights in a very, very long time. And the promotion for this fight of these guys is something I have not seen. And what, let's be honest, DJ, since I'm, in my lifetime, I've never seen what promotion like this where rival networks are coming together to promote a fight out of all things. It's something that you would see like when competition like Battle of the Network stars where it's like, <laughs> hey, we're number one, they're not number two, always vice versa. But no, these guys have been all over the place. I mean, Fury's been doing wrestling matches. Wilder's been on Magnum P.I. They were both on the, the uh, Fox show The Mass Singer this week as we're recording this. I mean, these guys are every freaking work promoting this fight. So it's going to be a big time. It's a big time deal. It's a big deal. Oh, yeah. They've done a good job with it. And you wrote about that on the website that, uh, look, when there's money involved and money to be made, we get it. They're going to they're gonna find a way to come together. They did it with Mayweather and Pacquiao. And as, as much as uh, Mike Tyson wasn't getting along, uh, with different fighters and different promotions, they found ways to make deals uh, and and have these title fights uh, when he was intertwined with Don King and on and on. So they found a way to get this done. Um, I think I think it bodes well for down the road, in, in particular if this one is lucrative. I mean the first the first fight only only sold three hundred thousand pay per views. This one's believed that it's going to be at least a mill, and it may be north of a million five or more pay per views, high priced. If it does, it bodes well that everybody can work together for the common good on rival promotions, rival networks to go make some money. Right, that's the point. Absolutely, DJ. It's, it, it essentially puts down the whole boxing politics and the big wall of, with boxing with these rival promotions, you know, staying on their side of the street, as the cliche would be. And it'll pretty much bring everyone together in terms of that. The good news also with this fight, if it does become successful, which I really think it will be, TJ, it's, it's kind of hard with, with the promotion and everything around it to it, be, to it honestly, the flat fail. There's going to be a rematch of this fight, one way or another, depending on the decision. So we'll see this again, and we'll see a promotional rollout like this again. And it'll just, it can only lead to more fights with other promotions doing the same thing. Did Marquise just tip his hand on a prediction? He said decision. We'll get a, we'll get a prediction here in a little bit. Uh, or maybe he was just putting that out there in the figurative sense. We're going to find out uh, coming up. All right, so uh, I'm asking the guests different questions, so I'll ask you something different that I haven't really asked the others at this point. All right. If Tyson Fury is to win this fight, what are a couple of the keys, the ingredients to victory for him to get the win that he didn't get back in December of 2018? What say you, Marquise Johns? I'm going to take TJ the easiest and most cliche route with this with Fury. Fury wins this fight if he doesn't fall and get hit by Dante Wilder twice in the, uh, causing knockdowns, causing him to lose pretty much two of the scorecards that he lost in the first go-round. Essentially, he stays upright, makes Wilder not miss. Like the first fight, um, it's been well documented that he made Wilder hit at a 17% range. And as you know, TJ, if you're hitting at a percentage usually below 20, and especially at 17, there is no way you're winning that fight. And that's usually that would have been the case in the first one. So if Fury does more of that, and I think he will, despite all the talk of him saying he's going to make this Hagler Hearns 85, he's going to come in at 270, all that, yeah, do what you will with all the Fury talk beforehand. In the ring, he's going to do what he does beforehand. It'll be seen against Suarez, against Valine, which is jab around and, and keep him moving. I don't, I don't see anything otherwise. But if he does that, he wins this fight, TJ. 
Well, uh, you know, the the conventional thought uh, is that he stymied him, he outboxed him, he outfoxed him the first time. But, you know, we talked to J.D.'s earlier and he said, hey, we, we've got things now that we know about Tyson Fury. And in terms of Deontay, he's locked it in in terms of uh, the mental part, the game plan part, because he's been in there with him for 12 rounds uh, beforehand. And that, and that Fury's not going to get away with some of the th- same kind of tactics, uh, the angles, frustrating Deontay that he got away with. Deontay will be able to time him better. Again, I'm paraphrasing what J.D.'s was talking about. This is what they hope is going to happen. So uh, I guess that's why uh, we're going to line it up on this front. All right, so I want the same kind of opinion uh, from you that I've gotten from others here. Uh, Fury, or actually Wilder, has had two different rematch fights, one most recently with Luis Ortiz, the one previously to that a few years ago with Berman's Tavern, which was a one-round destruction. The Ortiz fight went seven rounds, but it was a one-punch destruction. When he finally tagged him, it was over. Yes. So what what is it about Wilder and the rematches? And do we have an expectation that in this third rematch of his professional career that he's going to be equally as spectacular? What do you think? I think we will be, TJ, because the one thing that Wilder does in these rematches is he comes out stronger than before, which is the case we did with Severn, because that's Severn rematch was quick work, to say the least. Uh, same thing with Ortiz. The one thing with the Ortiz fight was that uh, Ortiz was able to box around a little bit for a couple of rounds, but by about the sixth round, you can see the difference in it. And then in the seventh round, he, he hit him with that right, and that was all she wrote. In fact, if Wilder, to win this fight, TJ, does what he did against Stavern the first go-round. It was one of the few times where he didn't end the fight with a knockout. Just the one decision that went straight to the cards where he was up on the cards, the one the belt to begin with. If Wilder goes back to boxing along those lines with the angles against that against Fury, and he's able to time him like they say he does, he wins this easily. Voice of Marquise Johns. He's been writing a bunch. We'll continue to write a bunch on BigFightWeekend.com about Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. It's not the only thing going on in boxing this weekend. And yes, there is an undercard, but it's the biggest thing uh, by far. Wilder Fury 2 coming up on pay-per-view Saturday night. Marquise with me on the podcast uh, for a few more moments. All right, so we wrote, I wrote about uh, historical perspective of previous great heavyweight title rematches in the modern era. And I qualified it by saying, look, you could have a list of 15 rematches long if you wanted over the course of the last 50, 60 years. But I I picked the five ones out that I thought had the most significance uh, for whatever reason. Um, when, When I say great heavyweight title rematch, give me one that came to your mind right then, right as I said it. Give me one for you. Easily Ali Foreman, off the top, just thinking about it. Uh, Ali Frazier, anything with Ali, you, you can't go wrong with Ali at this point. Uh, that, that's always a safe bet. More recently, I was actually a big fan of uh, the second go-around with uh, uh, Tyson Holyfield. I thought Tyson was going to shape up the second go-around and make it a bigger fight than what it was, and, and instead we got him uh, nibbling on Holyfield's <laughs> ear. But those are the ones that come to my mind in terms of recent memory. Uh, we, we, people would mention, uh, well, you, you can put it in there. It, it, here's a, it wasn't a great rematch, but it was just the historic perspective of it. Uh, Luis Joshua just second go around because of the, the implications of it, but it right. wasn't a great fight. Uh, but yeah, this is really in terms of heavyweight rematch. This one is huge. Like even the ones that Wilder had recently, like no one, no one was, no one was clamoring for that Stavern uh, Wilder rematch. Let's be honest. Uh, also, uh, Ortiz. Wilder Ortiz was a, a, a great test for him as opposed to uh, what Fodder was facing with, you know, uh, the Thomas Suarez and the Otto Valens and whatnot. So I, 
in terms of rematches, like currently, this is this this is why this one has a big one in terms of uh, this Saturday. The the standard is the Ali Frazier thriller in Manila. I wrote that in the article, so that's that's up here. That's all the way in the stratosphere. Then everything else kind of filters down. Uh, after that, um, and again, Bo and Holyfield had uh, had uh, some amazing fights, and Holyfield uh, was the champ, and and Bo took it from him in uh, in the fall of '92. They rematched in November of '93, and that thing uh, it was a crazy fight, including with Fan Man on the electric uh, propellered uh, paraglider landing in the middle of the outdoor ring outside of Caesar's palace in the middle of the fight and delaying things for 22 minutes. You can't make this stuff up that it actually happened and delayed the heavyweight title fight. So in any event, uh, you know, those bowl Holyfield fights were something else. So again, uh, check it out on bigfightweekend.com. You can read more about the historical perspective. And yes, I left out like Larry Holmes and Michael Spinks' rematch. The the Lennox Lewis Hasim Rachman uh, rematch. It was just like the first fight, except Rachman caught Lewis with a big punch in the first fight, and the second fight was Lennox Lewis panning back with a with a, a an an A bomb essentially yeah. right hand, and that wasn't much uh, for thrilling or great drama or a great fight. Uh, I didn't think so. Anyway, it's up no. for debate. It's up for debate, and hopefully, we get a good one in that regard on uh, on Friday. What's your What's your prediction on the public buying this pay per view? Do you believe it will be north of a million pay per view buys? Will it get north of one point five million? Do you think by Saturday night, long about midnight Eastern time, nine p.m. in the desert, the public will have gravitated and pay for this fight? I think, TJ, there's going to be a lot more houses getting this fight than anything else, mainly because of the, of the general cross-promotion that they've done over the, over the both networks and all the shows that they're doing. I think it may actually reach a million. I don't want to be crazy and say it's going to be like a million five, like two. I think Bob Arm was saying it was going to make two, and I don't think that's going to happen. Just to, Let's be honest, TJ. It's 2020, and uh, it's a great line that Tim Smith of uh, PBC mentioned on a, a, a fellow podcast. He mentioned that there's, pl- quote, plenty of theft going around. So they're not uh, <laughs> immune to the fact of people uh, watching this in, by other means of transportation, as they say. So I I think it'll be a solid millions of legit number that could be attainable and reached for this fight, despite the price tag. And I really do think, TJ, up and down, this card actually is worth the money. I can, I can, I can, honestly, I can honestly vouch for this one. Let's hope that we get a good one coming up. All right, plug away for the audience here because we've been talking away on the podcast. They can read away on BigFightWeekend.com about Wilder Fury and the build-up to Saturday. Tell them more about how they find it. Tell them more about your social media, how they find you. Go ahead, sir. Absolutely, TJ. I also want to mention uh, beforehand, uh, the co-main event is one to keep an eye on as well, TJ. That's going to be actually personally, I think it's going to steal the show of this whole pay-per-view. It's a... as I know, as you, I tell you on this podcast all the time, the LeBron James of boxing, Charles Martin, is in action <laughs> against Gerald Washington. And it's going to be one of those weird heavyweight rock'em, sock'em, robot kind of fights. That's the way that's set up. It's an IBF title eliminator. You know, do what you will with that. They'll be slotted behind the Pulovs and the Konakis and on, on the IBF side of things. Who cares? But it's a, it's a classic heavyweight fight. This guy's, it's two guys in the ring. One guy's getting knocked out. It's not going 12 rounds. I want to mention now in the co-main event. Uh, in terms of me, you can find me at on Twitter, Weak Sauce Radio, all one word, still pound for pound, TJ, the best Twitter handle in boxing Twitter business. I challenge anybody on this. As well, you can find my writings, as always, watching leading up to the fight, during the fight, anything post-fight as well, and, and how much is going to change the heavyweight landscape at BigFightWeekend.com. 
Yep, bigfightweekend.com. We'll have the previews, have the recap, historical perspective on some of the big-time fights. Uh, you know, I didn't ask you this, and I don't, I don't want to tip it because we're going to probably write it some uh, depending on what does happen, but there's a real legacy question about Deontay Wilder, especially if he right if he wins impressively over Fury, we we got to start putting him in the conversation with the greats. I'm not saying that he deserves to be on even par with the likes of Ali, uh, with Tyson, with Joe Lewis, uh, on and on on the on the fighters that held it for a long time and and fought off huge challenges. But when you start when you start talking about a 12th title defense that Wilder may very well make, and especially if he scores an impressive knockout, this is a big legacy night, and that can't be overstated, right? For Deontay Wilder, if he can get it, and I guess from the Fury camp and the fans and the the fight fans in the UK, if if Fury gets the upset, gets the win, and takes the title back, that's a big deal too for his legacy. Absolutely, TJ. This this fight is going to shape the landscape of, of whose legacy is going to be be done at the end of all of this. It's funny because Fury on the media call recently, before they all landed in Vegas this week, was saying that he doesn't really care too much about his legacy. I disagree as being the lineal champion because they will forever throw that around. So with that in mind, with Wilder, with this being his 12th defense, it's hard to go 43-0-1, TJ, if he wins on Saturday. I don't care who you face. I don't care how many quote-unquote cab drivers you put in the ring. It's a lot of cab drivers. At one point, someone's going to get lucky. So it really is that important, especially with this being this title defense of how it's going to be such a big deal for these, both these guys in terms of their legacy. And I think it would put Wilder up there with those guys. I, I mean, it's not going to put him in the Ali Foreman category, but you, you, can't, you can't not put him anywhere near the category of like top 10 easily after this defense. All right, we'll see how it all shakes out again. Weak Sauce Radio is a great follow for all the boxing stuff. Load it up, Weak Sauce Radio. Follow us at Big Fight Weekend on Twitter for the website's Twitter handle and BigFightWeekend.com. Marquise, let's hope we get a good one with Wilder and Fury Saturday. I know we will write all about it before and after on the site. Thank you for the time on the podcast, sir. Absolutely, TJ. Looking forward to a good one. We'll find out on Saturday. And there we go. We get ready now for the showdown. No exaggeration to say. Biggest heavyweight title matchup that we've had on American soil involving an American. I, I know, look, Anthony Joshua came last summer to fight against Andy Ruiz, but most of America didn't really know a lot about Anthony Joshua because he's fought in the UK. Nobody knew anything about Andy Ruiz. Everybody knows something that follows boxing or follows sports about Deontay Wilder. And if you follow boxing, you know about Tyson Fury being undefeated and the former undisputed champion. So this is a much bigger deal than what Ruiz and Joshua was in June of last year at Madison Square Garden. This is the biggest fight involving an American on U.S. soil in the heavyweight title, probably going back to Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson, 2002 in Memphis. And you got to go back to to Tyson and Holyfield uh, back in the late 1990s to the last one that was in Las Vegas that was this big a deal. I don't think we'll get an ear-biting situation or a bizarre scandal, but who knows? Who knows how it's going to play out? I think ultimately it plays out with Deontay Wilder wearing down Tyson Fury. Let's see if that is the case that he gets that knockout and makes it three for three in terms of revenge in rematches and once and for all says to Anthony Joshua or anybody else, if you're going to be the heavyweight champion, you got to come beat me and you got to come beat me in the United States. I'm the guy. Let's see if the bronze bomber can deliver coming on Saturday evening. And an interesting undercard. We haven't really mentioned this fight as of yet. I'm interested in the junior featherweight title fight with Emmanuel Navarrete, a great uh, hard-punching Mexican fighter. He's on the undercard. I know the two big heavyweights 
uh, are going to be doing battle, Gerald Washington and Charles Martin, immediately before Wilder and Fury. But I'm interested in Navarrete on the undercard, uh, as well as the WBO junior featherweight champion. He's a rising star in the lighter weights divisions. But the biggest one is Wilder Fury. Saturday night, give me Deontay Wilder on something like a ninth or 10th round stoppage. I know we were talking previously about the under-over on how long this one goes is somewhere around 10 and a half or 11 rounds. I, I don't know. I, I mean, it may go for a while. Then again, Wilder may get him out of there quickly. We'll see. I just don't see Fury being able to frustrate him and befuddle him this time around. Maybe he will, but I think Deontay Wilder eventually catches up to him with the big punching power, and it's a big night for the Bronze Bomber in another rematch. We will find out no matter what happens. A reminder, whenever you're hearing this podcast, that you can read all of the previews on BigFightWeekend.com and the build-up to the fight. Go to that website, BigFightWeekend.com, before or after the fight for all the recaps, historical perspective on this showdown, and much more. Subscribe to this podcast as well. It comes automatically to you. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, etc., etc. It's all part of the Big Fight Weekend uh, podcast. Uh, go find us. And again, uh, depending on what happens with this one, we may be back with a recap show after it is done on Saturday night in short order. My man Marquise Johns, a senior writer at BigFightWeekend.com, David Payne over in the UK who joined us earlier. Always loving to jump on on the podcast and talk more. My thanks also to Antoine Williams in Houston. Go to his site, the greatest of all time, BoxingPromotions.com. Find him on social media, on Instagram and Facebook there uh, as well. Our thanks also to JD's uh, in the corner of, uh, of Deontay Wild. Love his insight. Jay uh, will be part of that team, the bro- the bomb squad, uh, as Deontay Wilder looks to uh, defend the WBC heavyweight title again uh, coming up on Saturday night. So we thank uh, JDs for helping with uh, with coming on the podcast and giving us a preview. And also JT the Brick, the radio host out in Vegas. You hear JT in the weekday afternoons on the Fox Sports Radio affiliate out in Las Vegas, but also on Mad Dog Sports Radio exclusive content on Sirius XM on satellite radio. Love JT's insight and giving us perspective on location in Vegas as they will be hyped. They will be cranked. How many fans from the UK will be there? Brits uh, and otherwise will be there singing, serenading, half intoxicated and making noise. We're about to find out what they're going to do and and if they invade or not. Will it be a pro Deontay Wilder crowd? Probably in Vegas Saturday. Let's see what happens with the fight. In any event, we've had a blast previewing it as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am merely T.J. Reeves. Let's see what happens with Wilder and Fury. You've been listening to the preview right here on Big Fight Weekend.